0: This is Sound & Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. The Australian artist Hatchie has released her sophomore album. It's called Giving the World Away, and Hatchie joins me now to talk about it. Hello. Hi. So you've said that there's more to me than just writing songs about being in love or being heartbroken. And I understand that this album has a lot of reflections about shame. And I'm curious what this shame stems from for you.
1: I don't know, to be honest. I've asked my therapist the same thing. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I think I'm a very guilt-driven person. I'd punish myself a lot when I don't live up to my own expectations for myself. And that's something that I've been working on a lot over the last year or two. And is like a constant journey, but I think it's just something that I realized that I needed to at least speak about, even if I didn't know like the solution to the problem. I'm just trying to be a lot less hard on myself than I have been in the past, but it's difficult to kind of break out of that habit, really.
2: Take my hand. there's nothing left to hide, like before, I know it's hard.
0: And I understand that your song, Take My Hand, is about your own struggles with body issues, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, especially women, can relate to. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about the inspiration behind this song and why it was important for you to, to address this issue on this record.
1: Yeah, well, I guess I realized with my first record, I kind of sang about pretty shallow topics. Like, I pretty much only sang about, like, love or heartbreak or things kind of in that world. And I realized that I was kind of doing a disservice to myself by not addressing things that really affected me and were a part of my life every day so I really endeavored to kind of dig, dig a lot deeper on this record and that was something that I think about every day and that I have thought about every day since I was you know something like 10 years old so it was important for me to kind of explore that and I wrote a song kind of addressing my, child, my childhood self I guess and um, trying to I guess say everything that I wish someone had said to me when I was that age that like you don't have to be so hard on yourself and that everyone kind of goes through these feelings and it's completely normal to feel that way but you need to kind of try to push beyond it because otherwise it's going to completely like take over your life just
2: a girl the crux you see is weakness is friend to your advantage. feel its i know it's hard to do. The all in its view.
0: yeah i mean i'm thinking about one of the lyrics i know it's hard to do the mirror tricks all in its view And I understand that you were also reading a series of essays called Trick Mirror, Reflections on Self-Delusion. And there was also a post, you know, Nick Cave kind of does these like advice, responds to advice through his Red Hand Files series. And I understand both that Nick Cave post and that collection of essays called Trick Mirror also impacted these songs. Talk about what you kind of gathered from, again, that Nick Cave post, but also the series of essays called Trick Mirror
1: yeah I guess um reading that Nick Cave post is kind of what triggered me to think that I should write a song about it because of everything I just mentioned about like it being such a big big part of my life and it kind of reminded me that you can write about things that don't seem very poetic in a more poetic way and you can be creative with it and turn it into something beautiful and um in regards to the Trick Mirror book to be honest I don't I had read that book two years ago when I was, like, starting working on the album, so I can't recall exactly what it was about that, that I was referencing, other than obviously the name of the book. But I think she did a really good job of explaining, I don't know, I guess self her self-analysis was really in-depth and thought-provoking, but also funny, and I just really enjoyed it.
0: What do you think that you learned
1: about yourself through writing this song? I guess that I know that I'm too hard on myself, but that it's not it's not as easy as knowing that you're wrong when you are so self-critical. It's a whole other thing to reject those negative thoughts, I guess. Like it's one thing to know that those are negative thoughts that aren't true, but it's another whole thing to try and reject the negative thoughts and not take them to heart. But at least I'm halfway there, I guess. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've said that the name Hatchie uh, is like an alter ego or a character. And I'm curious how you describe who Hatchie is versus who you, Harriet Pilbim, are.
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think Hatchie is a lot more confident than I am. <laughs> um, I, have, I, I have times when I'm super confident and times when I'm the complete opposite. And I think Hachi is kind of just the extreme version of that, I guess. But I don't really know. I'm still figuring it out.
0: Yeah, and I understand you started recording this album in February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and while your singles have been huge hits, I mean, KXP has been playing them like crazy. I understand that during the pandemic, you had to go back to work a day job again to kind of make ends meet. And that just had me thinking, like I, I, I read a story that like you were folding clothes like at a retail shop. And then you're like the day that, you know, your first single dropped. <laughs> and You're mm-hmm. like, here I am working this day job yet. People are talking about this new single that I just dropped. And it just got me thinking of like, what does it take to be a full-time artist specifically? And I wonder if being a full-time artist means something different in Australia versus like the US. So what do you think it takes to just be able to not have to have a day job to make ends meet?
1: I, yeah, I don't know the answer. I mean, I think it's different for everyone in that, It depends. Like, if you're just like a a singer-songwriter with an acoustic guitar who has, who doesn't really travel with a band or travel with a sound person, then I think it's a, a bit easier to afford to go on tour and to kind of do music full time. But for me, I really wanted this record to be as big as possible, um, on tour. So I wanted to add extra members to the lineup and I wanted to like have our own sound person and, and have a lighting show. So, that meant that I had to make some personal sacrifices and had to go back to work part-time so I could balance that and so I can, I guess, just budget for it um, so that I can kind of save up and not really have to pay myself on tour, whereas, like, I have to pay a band. So to be completely transparent about it, that's what it is for me. I really don't know what it takes. I think, unfortunately, there's no handbook and there's no rule or point where you've quote-unquote made it. It's unfortunately – extremely volatile and different for everyone and some people can have like a massive song on a platform like TikTok and maybe that means that they can quit their job for six months but then six months down the track none of their other songs hit as hard and then they're back to their normal life so unfortunately I don't think there's an answer and I'm just I I don't know I've just accepted that I'll always be going to and from part-time jobs and being a full-time musician and um, it's probably going to be a while before I can totally quit my jobs for good. But um, I'm trying to stay positive. It's hard, though, with the pandemic.
0: But that's crazy to me. So, I mean, you're about to go on uh, a tour, you know, here in the States, which, you know, I'm sure has its own complications, you know, to travel internationally in order to pull that off. But it sounds like you personally will not be making any money off this tour. You're just gonna be paying your band?
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy to me. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I don't, yeah, I think a lot of, I think, I mean, most bands don't even, um, any of, I don't think none of them get paid. I think I'm just, I just made that a rule. And, um, I think also because my band is, we're all like around the age of 30. We're not like these like 18 year olds who are like just so excited and happy to be on the road that like, we don't care if we all go into debt. I think I have a really huge amount of respect for my band taking the time out of their lives to do this because they've all got other stuff going on. So it's really important to me that I pay them. But, yeah, it definitely the budgeting is really hard.
0: Well, you know, we've done a few stories here on Sound & Vision in the past, um, you know, profiling Australian artists. And they've said, you know, it's really important for us to be able to tour in the States or overseas and not just stay exclusively to Australia. So I'm just wondering if that just adds an an extra complication in order, you know, just from a financial standpoint, like in order to be a large artist, you have to make that financial risk to tour overseas. And so if you were to say to yourself, like, I'm just going to tour within Australia what that would look like versus making the decision to tour overseas
1: yeah well we we would go nowhere if we just stuck to australia to be honest i think there's there's only so many cities you can visit in australia there's like Um, only like five major cities, six major cities that people really hit up on tours unless you do like a regional tour where you're really like getting into all the little nooks and crannies and things. And to be honest, I don't sell really as big shows in Australia as I do in the US. So for me, it's kind of a no brainer. I don't really have a choice. I have to try and, you know, explore the US to see all the opportunities that are here for me because there's way more cities that you can hit in a tour and I seem to play bigger rooms in some of the cities here so we hit a dead end pretty quickly in Australia if we were to limit ourselves to that but like you mentioned it costs so much money to get over here so it's a huge risk at all times and it's really hard (laughs) but it's but it's worth it you know
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we are so excited to see you in Seattle. You'll be um, performing uh, May 21st at Numo's here in Seattle. So um, we are excited to see you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I'm really excited to come back. I love coming to Seattle, really, genuinely. I don't just say that. We always have a really lovely time there. So thank you.
0: You know, so again, this album is about self-confidence and also reclamation. Do you feel like you were able to work through issues around, you know, just confidence and being able to reclaim things through the creation of this record?
1: Yeah, I think it definitely helped me grow my confidence, um, especially within the world of Hatchy, which is why the rhythm was a really important song to me to kind of get that that feeling out there um, to kind of illustrate that alter ego. Kind of, I don't know. Also, playing a role in my in my life outside of music. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, it's it's definitely a work in progress. And to be honest, it's been weird because with recording in 2020 we thought that everything was going to be back to like kind of normal by the end of 2020 and we'd be touring by the end of the year and 2021 would be this amazing year of getting back on our feet and then after everything was kind of stretched out for another full year of waiting at home i feel like i've just um gone through another roller coaster of emotions and it's really weird to look back on songs like that and figure out if i still feel the same or if i feel different again but i definitely think my confidence is grown exponentially in the Hatchie sphere
0: Well I've been speaking with Harriet Pilbeam of Hatchie about her latest record Giving the World Away Here is her song The Rhythm Hatchie thank you so much for your time today Thank you so much for having me